First reading is taken from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, and can be found on page 13 of the Pew Bibles. The Call of Abraham. The Lord said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's the word of the Lord. Our second reading is from Luke chapter 10 and can be found on page 1041 in your Bibles, verses 1 to 17. Jesus sends out the 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. This is the word of the Lord. Hargreaves and I'm Mission Development Officer for the Diocese. I haven't always done that. Um, I was a primary school, school teacher um, at Craneswater School, amongst others, years ago. And then I worked in community regeneration in East London. Um, then 10 years of parish ministry as a curate. I had the toughest job in the world as a curate because I was the successor to Neil and Debs. So, like, it can only go downhill from there, can't it, really? 
So um, that was in the other place of Southampton, sorry. But my heart has always been for Portsmouth, trust me. Um, and then I was a vicar. And then um, for the, over the last year, I've been mission development officer at the diocese. And um, people um, ask me, well, what does that mean? And um, I say, well, until someone more senior than me tells me that I'm not doing this, this is what I'm going to keep saying. And I feel my role is to walk alongside paris- parishes, churches and teams, helping them to share Jesus in word and action in their communities. So it's an absolute privilege to be invited to walk alongside you this year. Um, uh, I'm married to Miriam and we have three children. We've got two children at St Ed's School and we've got one child at St Jude's School and we love it. Isn't St Jude's School great? Thanks for all you're doing there. It's absolutely amazing. We, we love it. We've been so blessed in that. And we live in Southsea, the best place to live on earth, right? Yeah, come on, bring it on. Woo, yeah, that deserves a clap. That's brilliant. Okay, so Mike has given us a brilliant launch into this year of mission, knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And um, I think we need to get this out here. We need to get this out here. We need to acknowledge this, that this may not have filled you with joy this morning, or it may have filled you with joy. Could I have my next slide, please, Tom? We've got to name this. Talk to the person next to you. Are you a one? Oh no, that fills me with dread and I'm just tired at all. Oh no. A three, I need time to think about that. A four, yes. Or a five, this church should have been doing this years ago and I just can't wait to go. Turn to the person next to you. Be honest, get it out. What are you at the moment? A one, two, three, four or five? just gives us that opportunity, okay, just gives that opportunity to name it. Um, Right, no one's going to be looking around, but it gives me a good gauge. Please remember we're in church, be careful how you arrange your fingers for this one, but can you show me one, two, three, four or five fingers on your hand after three? One, two, three. I'm just looking around, give me a moment to look. We've got a whole mixture there. Thank you. That's really good. I hope that makes us go, ah, and I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to say, Lord, would you help us? Um, If we're a one, to move to a two. If we're a two, to move to a three. Just help us to be open to this year. Um, And I pray if we're a four or five, help us to understand that there may not be people there and help us to walk alongside them and not to crush them with all our enthusiasm. So move amongst us as a whole people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Two names, Graham Webb and Dawn Sanford. They mean nothing to you, I'm sure, but um, they mean a great deal to me. I wasn't brought up in a Christian home. Um, I had no idea about church or God. And at the age of 16, in my final year at school, Graham Webb came in and did an assembly at my school and spoke about Jesus. And I thought, That's interesting. At the same time, I worked at Tesco's as a checkout operator on um, Saturday as my Saturday job. And there was a a great young woman there called Dawn Sanford who'd been brought up in church but had recently kind of discovered the Holy Spirit and things had really changed for her in her faith. And I was fascinated by that. They were so patient with me. And over a year, they listened to me, invited me to things. I could see something different in their life. They demonstrated God's love and they told me about Jesus And it changed my life. 
and I wouldn't be standing here otherwise. It's the best gift I could ever be given. Again, second question of the morning. Don't worry, I'm not going to keep doing this, but you know, give us an opportunity. Turn to the person next to you and say, who is the person that's had the biggest impact on you that told you the story, demonstrated God's love? Some of you may still be thinking about God and may not be sure, but there might be a person that you know who's a Christian who's having a bit of an impact on you. Go and just share those names. Okay, we're going to be bringing that to a close. Some of them may have been inside church, they might have been a junior church leader or they might have been a family member or so forth. Some of them, I'm hoping, were out there in the community, like the person who came to my school, like the person who shared Jesus over the checkouts and in our, in our tea breaks. I always feel a bit bad about that because I know I took longer tea breaks and I owe Tesco loads of money from stolen time. You know, part of my testimony there. There we go. Up there, on there. And um, just so, so just after three, just call out that person's name. We'll do it all together and then we'll thank God for them. So one, two, three. Heavenly Father, we thank you for those people. We praise you for them. Bless them wherever they are. And if they're in glory now, I just pray that they're knowing your peace and wonder there. Amen. There we go. Okay, and of course, you will have all had people that you've demonstrated God's love to and have spoken to since. I think of my mum and my brother, and my brother's gone on to be a youth evangelist and spoken to thousands. I speak, uh, think of people along the way. And I'm going to speak about my friend James in a moment, who's my most recent person I've been speaking to um, about Jesus. Okay, I'm going to take you down now, okay, but we are going to go back up, all right, because this is important. We need some statistics up there, okay? I'm hoping that you share Jesus out of your love and relationship and joy with him. And because you know that he is the answer and the best relationship anyone can ever have. You might be thinking, there, that's someone else's job. Look, this is where we're at. These are the stats for our diocese. 1989, 16,200 people were in our churches. You can read it. 2016, 9,858 people are in our churches. This is the reality of the call. Let, next, let's see Portsmouth. 2005, 2,199 people are in our churches. 2016, that had fallen to 1,502. This is Anglican churches. But here's the good news that I'm starting to take um, us up again. That has risen to, in 2017-18, nearly 1,900 people because of vision like here for St Margaret's, you have been so generous and vision-filled and wonderful in releasing those guys so they can reach more people with Jesus. Because of people like you and Harbour Church, the turn is happening. So be encouraged, but know the reality of the mission. This still means that under 1% of Portsmouth population is in an Anglican church on a Sunday. There. That's a sobering reality. We've got a lot of telling and a lot of demonstrating to do. And we can't think, oh yeah, but they're all at King's Church and all the rest of it. Yes, it's wonderful. We've got amazing Christian brothers and sisters. But I think realistically only about 2.5% of the population, maybe three on a good day with a wind behind us, are in church on a Sunday morning in Portsmouth. This is why I think Mike has got such amazing vision with his team and his PCC. Well done, PCC, for, getting, for backing on this. To say, 
We're ready for a year of mission. We're ready to do things like St Margaret's that we've done and to build on those things. I think you're great. And I wish every parish had this foresight and imagination. It's so good to me to be here and be part of that team in a very small way over this year. I just want to speak to you. Um, hopefully you are encouraged that those numbers are rising and that spurs us on to be on that team. I want to be on that team that changes the narrative and the story in this diocese. Do you want to be on that team? A few nods there. Okay, think about it. I'll come back in a few weeks. When you've thought about it, I'll see if you want to join that team. Do you want to be on that team? Okay, that's improved in a few seconds. So it's going to be amazing, isn't it, as we go on there, changing the narrative there. Right, they just wanted to give some, just some lessons, some encouragements from Scripture um, this morning and share a couple of stories um, on that. So these are some attitudes. I've got four of them. You're lucky. Oasis had all eight the other week, but it's all right. We've done a bit of a preamble there and so forth. So four attitudes. The first attitude, friends, at the start of this year of mission, be hopeful. Be hopeful. Did you hear what Jesus said? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, well, we've seen the stats, the workers are few, but that doesn't, that doesn't dim Jesus' enthusiasm. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvesthood. Jesus is hopeful, and it just wasn't because it was better soil in Israel. You can imagine the response is, Jesus, they're not going to be bothered. They're all down the temple. They're not going to be interested in your kingdom of God Jesus stuff. Jesus, they're not bothered. They're cozying up to the Romans, just about managing to get by. Jesus, they're not bothered. They're all trying to climb the ladder in the Roman Empire, and they've got other things to do. There would have been excuses then, but Jesus still said, be hopeful. The harvest is plentiful. And for all of the reasons we sit here thinking, my friends aren't interested, and all the rest of it, Jesus says, be hopeful. This is a truth and a reality. The harvest is plentiful. Be hopeful. He gives us that encouragement. I love your praying for three people. Did we do that? No, that was in the nine o'clock. Do it at the end or I'll do it. Right, you're going to be praying for three people. Um, I pray for five. I've got this little cord around me. And um, these, uh, these people, I've got Jamie, I've got Ross, who started coming to church, praise God. That's brilliant. I've got my dad. Um, I've got my friend Kev, who's a firefighter. And then I've got all the um, friends of our, um, of our um, girl, girls, friends, parents at schools um, that we're praying for as well. Um, because we love them to know about this relationship and to join in, to be hopeful. Here's a hopeful story. My friend James, okay? Here he is. No, no, back, back, back. There he is. He's a real person. Um, there we go. He's in his 30s. He works in IT for the university. Um, four years ago, he was a complete atheist. He was on chat rooms propagating kind of atheist thought and so forth. He didn't know a Christian. God started doing something in him, even though he didn't know a Christian. And I met him four years later here, and of course it's an easy way in when people ask me what I do for a living. But we started talking. He said, you're the first person I've met as an adult who believes in Jesus. Could we gasp? He's in his mid-30s. This is crazy. This is where we're at. And he, sa and he said to me, I think, I said, I, you know, we got talking about it. I said, where do you think you are in faith now? A naught or a ten? And I gave him some examples. That. He said, I think I'm probably about a two. But four years ago, I was a zero, but something's happening in me. I give you this story to give you hope. I said, 
should we meet up? Would you like to, we could look at seven signs in John where Jesus talks about who he is and does some miracles. Would you like to do that in your lunch hour? Yeah, I think that'd be interesting. And over the journey, James is now an eight or a nine and he's being confirmed at the cathedral in two weeks. God is at work, he is a move. And no one would have known that was going on in James's life. And probably, if he'd been one of my atheist mates, I might have assumed not to bother chatting to him about Jesus. Because I know a few of them, because it's never going to work. And that encouraged me. No one would have known in those four years what was going on. And now he believes in the Lord and is following him. So friends, be hopeful. Another reason to be hopeful are these stats. Are these stats that that worked? There we go. Boom. Right, talking Jesus, um, Hope Evangelical Alliance and the good old Church of England. We do some great things, got involved in some surveying of people who don't go to church, who don't know Jesus. These should be an encouragement to us. 67% of people know a Christian and it's a positive experience for them. They think that person is all right. Some of them even think they're a bit of a laugh. Yes, they're nice. I'd go to them. I'd listen to them. I'd speak with them. That's amazing. More people, more people do know a Christian than that but it's not a positive experience for them, right? Please make sure you're good news to people. Is that okay? All right. So that, that is you and I that they know. Only 1% know Mike, Neil, or me as a leader. Only 1% know a vicar. All right? So it's our job to do this. 60% of people still think that Jesus was a real person. I don't know what the other 40... I mean, there's just no intellectual kind of position for the other 40% who think he wasn't real. Anyway, but 21% of those think that he was God in human form. Still, one in five in our nation, and one in five aren't following Jesus currently in the moment. And this amazes me, 43% believe in the resurrection. And think of your five friends, one in five is willing to have a conversation about Jesus. It would be okay. Yeah, I'd like to do that. That would be interesting. I hope you're encouraged. I hope this puts hope in your heart. We've got a great course here called Talking Jesus that every uh, that has come out of that, which just helps us to look at how we might do that. But I know that you're going to be fully equipped and prepared this year through the work your team are doing with you and to this great um, days that Gene's running. Please come on them in November. It's going to be amazing. I was at the first. It was brilliant for all the leaders and it's going to be fantastic for you. Okay, second thing in our hearts. Don't worry, they get quicker. Second thing in our hearts, I should look at my notes rather than wait for that. Friends, be vulnerable. Be vulnerable. Did you hear, and this is, can be a scary thing, but did you hear Jesus, he always gives us a small print. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. He knows this is tricky. I know that I've got friends that like nothing better than to trip me up and suss me out with a clever argument or say, we saw you doing this, Andrew. And that's a lesson to me to get genned up on my arguments, but also make sure my life is consistent with what I'm speaking. It's difficult and tricky out there. And Jesus acknowledges this. But Jesus doesn't say, go with lots of great ideas and whizzy ways of getting people involved. He says, don't take a purse or a bag or sandals. Effectively, he's saying, I am enough. You are enough. Your story is enough. And with each other, it's even more powerful. Isn't it great that we get to do this with one another? And we get to do this with the Holy Spirit as well. Can you remember when Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations? He said, and I will be with you to the very end of the age. So one another, our story, Jesus Christ, is enough, my friends. 
Be vulnerable. It's okay. You've got what it takes. And I believe that about you, St. Jude Southsea, this morning. Okay, two challenges to end up, up with. And I think that this training and this preparing and equipping and going, you're going to fly with these because this is going to happen to you. Be available. Did you hear the call of Abraham when that was read? It said, don't sit in church and hope they come to you and hope people come through the door each week. Occasionally people do do that. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country. He gives the promise that he will be a will make him into a great nation and he will bless people on earth. All peoples on earth will be blessed by you. But he says, go to him. Oh, what did Jesus say? Go, I'm sending you out like lambs amongst all. How available are you, friends? I ask this my question all the time. I'm walking to the school gate. How available am I really for Jesus at the moment? I'm in Waitrose, like you. How available for Jesus am I really or am I just bombing around here getting out as quickly as I can? How available am I at work? There's people at my work that don't believe in Jesus. How available um, am I in my kind of voluntary things that I do? Am I available there? I don't have to go to Africa or Asia, but I might need to go to some people on my street. How available am I in any conversation at my gate? So let's be trained up and let's look at our hearts about how available we can be. I'm sure if we made ourselves available to the Lord, gave him something to work with, we'd go deeper in our discipleship and we'd see some amazing things this year. Finally, be ready. Be ready with words and works. You may have heard in verse 9, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there, that's the works, and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. That's the words. Some people say, oh, I just do works and I do acts of service. That's brilliant. You are amazing. We need to be the message. If we're talking all the time and there's no supernatural works and no natural works like listening and serving and loving people, then our message is going to be rubbish. But you can't be a words or a works person. Jesus calls us to be both. And if we're currently tongue-tied, this is why Jean Carr and all the other training you're going to have is going to be amazing because there'll be people that are good here that you can learn from and there. So ready with words and works. We will heal the sick. The kingdom of God is near you. The words, be ready. So this preparing time, this equipping time is going to be fantastic for you so you are ready to go with something behind you. I just want to end with two things. So I hope those kind of challenges and I hope those encouragements, that hope is good for you. Here's here's, here's the prep that we're doing. I just love it that Mike and his team has called this Knowing Jesus and Making Jesus Known. Because if our heart-to-heart connection is not there with the Lord, how can we make him known? Do you know what the temptation is for some of us that have been Christians for years, for years? And what am I, 27 years down the line now? 44, yep, do the maths on there. 27 years down the line is to rely on the old stories and the things that happened between us and the Lord in the past. And that's good, we should treasure those things. But the Lord says to me constantly, where are you with me today, Andrew? Where are you with me? Are we okay? Have we a heart-to-heart relationship? Are you available to me today? Can we spend some time together? Can we create some new stories together? Can we do that happening? So it's brilliant 
We know that we need to know Jesus to make him known. However long you've been a Christian, or if you're still looking at this, this is the perfect opportunity to have a health check of your relationship with him. Matthew 28, they worshipped him, and then he said, go. Heart-to-heart relationship first, and then we go. Now, the great thing is, as we go, it feeds our heart-to-heart relationship. And even better is that my final thing to say is that we go together. Jesus sent out the 72. He didn't send out, and he said, go in two by twos. Of course, we will have personal witness this year, and it's vital. Only you have the contacts that you have. You know, only maybe you work in your work or whatever it may be. Personal witness is essential, and we're going to be training you up. But actually, group witness, isn't it great when there's five or six or nine or ten or the 12 that Jesus had or the 72, the bigger group? Isn't it wonderful when we go, we're all in this together. We go deeper in our relationship as we step out together. I'm looking forward to you as groups in life groups or new groups that form and just say, we've really got a heart and a passion and we hang out at the school already or whatever it may be for you. Or look, we all live in a couple of these streets. How do we go? How do we maybe sometimes make some mistakes and fumble about with this? But how do the nine or ten of us do this together? And what a consolation and what an opportunity that is. So there you go. I'm full of excitement for your year. Um, And I hope um, this morning that that's helped us to think about and to engage with the process that we've um, uh, got coming ahead. Please come on November the 17th. It will be five hours really, really well spent. Um, And I just think it's it's a great thing to put in place. It's so encouraging for us at the Darson Central team that you're engaging in this. Thank you. It's wonderful. And we can hold you up as an example to others. Let's hope this ripples out over Portsmouth with your vision and your foresight. Go well, and I look forward to being part of the journey with you. Thank you for your time and listening this morning. You've got some prayers for us, Neil. I'll return the favour and move move this over to the middle.